All right. Well, I have the honor of uh, reading our scripture this morning. I'm also going to read a poem that I wrote many months ago that just happens to coincide uh, with the sermon today on gentleness. So I'll read that and uh, then present the word. So here, Matthew 19, verses 13 through 15. Some people brought children to Jesus so that he would place his hands on them and pray. But the disciples scolded them. Allow the children to come to me, Jesus said. Don't forbid them because the kingdom of heaven belongs to people like these children. Then he blessed the children and went away from there. Here's the uh, poem entitled Vastness. This, this all is in you comes the inner voice of love. A vast depth, churning, yearning, unyielding, unwieldy, dangerous, dangerous potential for violence or vitality. This reservoir is deeper than conceived or conceited. Conceit has blocked revelation. Deep still calls out to deep. Empty yourself, the faint voice says. I wipe the mirror. Here am I. Pour me out. Sins first. Drain the brackish, violent waters of desire for power, control, affection, esteem, approval, pleasure, safety, security, the right to change anything. Open the spigot, drain the swamp, change your heart and life for the kingdom of of God is near. It is right and good, sin empties first, lest vast evil in me pour out on loved ones in violent, desperate misunderstandings. Better to risk losing myself in repentance than ensuring my life in a bulwark of violence. The universe abhors a vacuum. My empty vessel will be filled. Divine waters pour over me because a father's son's blood was spilled refilled with another's body to release into the world the fresh water of vitality and life living water. I grasp the dangerous depths and vast currents flowing from me. I can now pour God water into others. Self-emptying is not asceticism, it's altruism. Not my will, but your will must be done. A gift to a world thirsting for realism truism. More than authenticity, people are desperate for the warmth of gentle embrace. Only when I am rid of my vast violence and pour out the poured in living water, will I and others know I am that I am. So this morning, uh, uh, we are Almost through our series on the fruit of the Spirit, and today we are looking at gentleness, one of the nine expressions of the fruit of the Spirit. And I want to take a a, a fresh approach, a fresh look uh, at gentleness through the lens of nature versus nurture. Nature versus nurture, I am versus I should, created versus conditioning. 
I feel this is at the heart of today's scripture with Jesus and the children, uh, but it's definitely at the heart of my encounter uh, with our Father God at Deception Pass, which birthed the poem I just read. Recently, I've been going to counseling to understand why I react with so much uh, anger and frustration at some of the things that my kids would do. It's been confusing for me because in the midst of uh, the, the event, the interaction, I have this voice saying, you are overreacting. And yet I would get incredibly bossy, as my kids would say. About four months ago, I had a profound appointment where my counselor helped me accept that a family member was repeatedly violent with me. Not physically, but verbally. And over time, conditioned me to escalate, be intense, take control of any situation with intimidation. Violence. This helped shed light on my own behavior and my overreactions. And with this grievous knowledge, I prayed to God, what should I do? And I felt like the Lord was calling me to retreat. Go north is what I felt. So I established a day with my wife and I got in the car and I drove north and I found myself at Deception Pass. Having never been there in my 13 whatever years here, I uh, just parked the car and I walked out on the bridge and I'll tell you what, my heart sank. Because on the, on the, the right side of me, I've got these semi-trucks going by and they're, they're, their mirrors are like whizzing right by my face. And then on the left side, there's like this waist high little railway that if I got smacked in the face, I could see myself just tumbling over that railing to the water below. Needless to say, I was a bit terrified. But once I got out there, I had this beautiful vantage point from the center of the bridge. It was there that the Lord met me. And as I was looking out at the body of water, I felt like the Lord said, this, this all is in you for violence or vitality. As the revelation came to me, I had an image of the weight of the waters crashing over me. And I said, if these waters were violent, they would certainly crush me. But what if the weight of the water was grace-filled? What if it was full of life? What would the weight of the waters feel like then? And it was then that I understood that God has put in me and has put in all of us, God's children, divine potential as vast as these waters. And so the question was, and the question is, will you pour out waters of violence or waters of vitality? Waters of violence you were conditioned for or waters of vitality you were created with? You see, the bad news for me is I was a boy who became a man who was conditioned and praised for using violence to maintain control of, of any situation. And this conditioning was in contrast to how I was created, much like my mom. Present with my feelings, generous, compassionate, and gentle. 
I found great comfort and uh, at-homeness in my mother's embrace. And I think that was because it reflected back to me, it mirrored back to me that which I really was, who I really uh, was created to be by God. But when my gentleness was derided, I overrode myself to act in ways in which I was given praise. And though I recognize it now and I do not want this controlling spirit any longer, I persist in being controlling. And that is truly the bad news for all of us. All of us acting out and passing on to others that which we received. Pain inflicted upon us, power asserted over us, or presenting ourselves in the false ways for which we were praised. It's like Paul in Romans 7.15. We all know this line. He says, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. Can you resonate with that? This doing what we do not want to do is the sinful conditioning that lies to us and tells us that if we want to get what we need in this world, then we must be coercive, controlling, intimidating, present ourselves false, be violent to get what we need. And every time we give into this lie, we are being drawn further and further away from who we are. But take heart, saints. There is good news. And the good news is for you, you children of God, is that our Father in heaven receives you as his children, the ones he created gentle. He knows that the hard world has shaped you and that you do not come to him in the form that you were designed to be. But we see in today's text that Jesus invites the children to come to him not because they're perfect, but because they come earnestly, vulnerably, honestly with who they are, even though kids don't have a formed self-identity yet. So in other words, they come in pure faith and vulnerability. And that's how the Father is calling you to come, humbly, unpresumptuous, and without guarding yourselves to receive your blessing from his hand. As we look at gentleness through this lens of created versus conditioned, I want you to see how gracious our heavenly father is, that he has prepared a blessing ahead of time for his gentle and humble children. Matthew 5.5 tells us exactly what that blessing is. It says, blessed are people who are humble. That, that word, the Greek there is praus. It's humble. It's meek. It's gentle. It's actually used for uh, a war horse, one that has been broken and trained and is able to face much danger, but be calm and in control, power in reserve. Blessed are people who are humble because they will inherit the earth. 
the blessing of the gentle and humble is to inherit the earth. I know you're at home right now, but maybe you can give a little hallelujah or an amen to that. I mean, for the people that are gentle and humble among us, this is really good news. God wants you to inherit the earth. We must pay attention to these words because at the heart of them, as well as the poem, there is a warning. We have this vast body of water in us to act like we've been conditioned in the world to act or be how we have been created to be. Both ways have strife, but only one of them leads to life. Both ways have strife in them, but only one leads to life. And the life that Christ Jesus is offering you is to enter the kingdom of heaven and inherit the earth. Jesus says to come to him humbly like a child and to treat others as gently as he treats you to enter this life. This is the good news. Jesus has made a way to life and life abundant. But the question is, can you embrace the gentle, humble life like Christ to enter it? Or will you maintain a life, a lifestyle that keeps you in control? Here's the main point today. Here's what I want you to know about who you are. You are created gentle. For all God's children are meant to inherit the earth. You are created gentle. So how do we do it? How do we actually live as gentle people? Scripture gives us lots of guidance, but I just kind of want to draw out three examples and kind of the results of that gentle behavior. So let's start with the first one. Subduing our anger makes us present to pain. I believe pain is at the heart of this story and the reason why Jesus advocates for the children to come to him. You see, Jesus is like, is like the oldest brother in a family and he's the heir to his father's household. And in this scene, he's watching his siblings, the little children, being blocked by those who were there to usher them in. I mean, can you imagine Imagine your own children or your, your, your brothers or sisters and they're outside playing out, uh, outside the house. And then they're blocked from coming in when they want to see you. I mean, it's their home, right? They have every right to you as their parent or sibling, but they're being blocked. What does that make you feel? Anger is the most likely response, right? Anger can be helpful to us to drive us to, to acts of justice on behalf of ourselves or others. And anger is also known to shut down the rational side of our brain, allowing the, the, the animal side, you know, emotions, desires, these things, to do what is needed to survive. And this causes us to act uncharacteristically, right? Saying and doing things that we would not normally do. So we must understand what is underneath anger, what is driving it. Because anger is known as a secondary emotion, which means there's a primary emotion 
that is triggering it. Do you know what that primary emotion is? It's pain. Pain is the source of all kinds of manifestations of anger, both good and bad. But pain is the primary source. So if pain is the source, then gentleness can bridge a connection from one source of pain to another. So if Jesus and his pain are on one side of that bridge, then the children and those that brought them there, I would think likely mothers, are on the other side with their pain. Mothers and children in that time, having no social status or access to significant places or people, but now they have this chance to be blessed by the teacher, Jesus. And they're being scolded and rejected and blocked by his disciples. The pain of longing and disappointment are palpable in this scene. And it's then that Jesus speaks up. Although I'm convinced that Jesus felt anger because of his pain, Jesus does not speak in anger. He doesn't use anger to rebuke the disciples. Rather, he uses a a gentle authority, snapping them out of their animal minds, animal brains, while allowing himself to be present to the pain of the women and the children. And because of this gentle advocacy, Jesus bridges a connection between his pain and the pain of the children turning this encounter into a holy one. That is the power of gentleness. By subduing his anger, Jesus was present to his pain and the pain of the others to create a bridge and allow for transformation. And here's the beautiful part is that upon that bridge between Jesus and the children stands the disciples. Their scolding was likely cultural, conditioned. They were probably scolded likewise growing up and just passed on what they had received. But now, that conditioning has become witness to another way, Jesus's way, And they could see how humility and gentleness lead to the kingdom of God. By subduing our anger, being gentle, it makes us present to pain and to the opportunity for transformation. Believe you have been created gentle for all God's children are made to inherit the earth. Here's our second point. Submitting to God makes us present to power. Here, Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. In all your ways, Submit to him. Gentle and humble people allow themselves to be present with their pain and become dependent on God. 
submitting their needs and ways to God, really listening to God. And this allows them to be empowered by spirit, but also to rightly understand true power. You see, the disciples, they do not have a right interpretation of power in this situation. They fall back into their old ways of using force and intimidation to control the children, to to begin to protect Jesus. A misunderstanding on their part of what the kingdom of God is like causes them to lean into protection rather than permission or even their own submission. It is rather the children who display submission to God when they come to Jesus. Jesus lays hands of blessing upon them, a sign of a passing on of the spirit. And the children become unexpected recipients of the blessing that the disciples felt entitled to. And we know they felt entitled to it because in the chapter before, chapter 18, they corner Jesus and they ask him this, this question. Who is the greatest in the kingdom of God? I mean, the gall, right? To ask that. And Jesus blows their minds and basically says, a child. The disciples believed they were entitled to Jesus's kingdom, but he gave it away to a child instead. True power lies with the humble and is taken from the proud. And that's why the humble, the gentle will inherit the earth. This is the story of King Saul and King David. They, their story is the epitome of the warning in this passage and in the poem. You see, Saul believed in his own power so much that he believed he could reinterpret what God had told him to do. And when Saul did that, God stripped him of his kingship. Because you have rejected what the Lord has said, he has rejected you as king, the prophet Samuel told Saul. And from there, Samuel is sent to the house of Jesse, where he anoints the youngest son of seven to be the next king of Israel. And not only was he the youngest, a child, but David did the lowliest job, sheep herding. And God stripped Saul of his kingship and gave it to a child who had a heart submitted to God. There would be a 15-year wait between when David was anointed king and actually became king. And in that time, he he joined Saul's household uh, as a servant, uh, like a personal servant to King Saul while his kingship was winding down. And out of Saul's hurt of losing his kingship and a jealousy of David, King Saul tries to kill David five times, five times. And reasonably enough, uh, David flees from that relationship. And in time, he would actually be given two opportunities to kill King Saul in return, but he would not do it. He knew the Lord's anointing on his life. He listened to God And he trusted in God's timing and in what God had told him. For he knew what true power was. Only the gentle will inherit the earth and have access to true power. 
having a Saul spirit that uses anger and force to hold on to false power, you know, that just destroys you. You must name that spirit, renounce it, and submit to God to be freed from it. Then you'll be present to true power, the power of God made perfect in your weakness. I believe this was the spirit put on me as a child. And so I use this prayer, this Saul controlling spirit prayer on a regular basis, frankly, to cast it away. This is a prayer from the book called Prayer Portions. And I keep this prayer on my phone and uh, I'll pull it out in the morning before you know, kids wake up or at night if they go to sleep or just even during the day as occasion arises and it arises often enough for me. And saying this prayer is a means for me to submit to God and say, I need your help. I need your help to be released from this spirit and given the Holy Spirit for gentleness. And God is faithful to make his presence known to me and give me his gentle embrace of forgiveness, relief, and empowerment. And with this, he reminds me and reminds you, you have been created gentle, even if at times you've not acted gentle. No, you've been created gentle for all God's children are meant to inherit the earth. And here's our last point. Serving others makes God present. You see, when we serve others in humility and gentleness, God is present with us. In this scene, Jesus serves both the disciples and the children, but he does it in different ways. To the disciples, he serves them with truth-telling. He gives them a shorthand reminder of what he said back in chapter 18, which was this. Truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. He told them what God requires to be great, which is essentially to be humble and to fulfill the two greatest commandments, love God and love and serve others. When we speak to one another in truthful ways about what God requires of us, God's commandments, laws, and statutes, we are serving one another. And when we gently reprove and correct one another, though it may sting at the time, believe me, God is present in that word and relationship. There's almost no better way you can serve one another than correcting one another in love. To the children, Jesus serves them by blessing them according to who they are, heirs to the kingdom of God. By putting hands of blessing upon them, he gives them the experience of the gentle embrace of God that all humanity is longing for. Like the embrace of my mother, which mirrored what was in me. So Jesus mirrors to the children that which they have been created to be. I believe his blessing to them was, you are gentle 
inherit the earth. And every time those children who became adults lived into that blessing, I suspect they felt like they had come home to God and to who they truly were, heirs of the kingdom of God. Who of you out there today wants to come home to the embrace of God? You can if for the first time or the hundredth time, you can come home to God's loving embrace today, I'd encourage you in your homes or where you're at, pray to God and simply say to him, Father, I'm sorry. Gently embrace me as your child today. Let the full weight of his grace-filled waters crash over you. That coming home feeling is what I experienced, that tearful counseling session I had before I went to Deception Pass. I kept saying, I don't understand myself and what I do. I'm, I'm trying to be gentle. I'm trying to get back to those moments in my childhood when I was gentle. And my counselor broke in. And he said, Raul, here's the truth about who you are. You are gentle. You might have to relearn how to live that out, but that doesn't, that doesn't change the fact that you are gentle. I am gentle a powerful, life-altering declaration for me. When Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, we understand that he's declaring the truth about his personhood. There's many ways to Jesus, but there's only one way to the Father, and that's through Jesus Christ, the great I am who came in the flesh. In the same way, It is true about myself when I declare I am gentle. See, my little I am joins Jesus's great I am and what is human and what is divine now has become one in me, bringing heaven to earth through a declaration of God in me. And the truth is of you, church that you are gentle. Again, even in times that you have not been or you've acted other or you've tried to be people pleasers or uh, you've tried to control your life or you try to present yourself in a certain way, we've all done these things in the conditioning of our fallen world. But understand the truth that you have been created gentle, loving, joyful, full of peace, all manners of the fruit of the spirit because you have been created to bear all the fruit of the spirit. So freely declare it, realize the truth about it in yourselves and change your hearts and lives to live out this truth. The end of the poem. Only when I am rid of my vast violence 
and pour out the poured in living water, will I and others know I am that I am and the gentle will inherit the earth. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this word. I pray that it goes out and any part of it that is overtly about me or mine or other, I pray that that would fall away. And I pray that your truth would go forth and the power of that would rest through your spirit on the hearts of those who need to hear it, that it would heal wounds for people, that it would draw you close to them, that they would know and realize that they are your children, that you love them and that you will shape them to be who they've been created to be. I pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.